episode something? 15? 13, 14, 15? Who knows? All right. Today, uh, first of all, the Alchemy Podcast is brought to you by Space226. For all of your content creating needs, shout out to uh, Drive Films as well as uh, Alchemy Podcast. Um, today, I have a very special guest. I have my friend, award-winning actor, Stephen Hill. You know him from Luke Cage, Boardwalk Empire, Law & Order SVU, to now a whole bunch of other credits because his IMDb is crazy. Look him up. Uh, you don't really have to look him up because he's on Magnum P.I. He stars on there as T.C. Mm-hmm. Welcome, Steven. How Thank you feeling? Thank you for man? having me, my brother. How you feeling, man? I'm good, man. Shouts good. out to South Jersey. Yeah, yeah. Just got back. <laughs> Just got back from South Jersey. I came back early for you, man. Yeah, I appreciate you, man. Yeah. I appreciate you. Um, so how did you how did you get started with acting? Uh, ooh, wow. Um, so when I was in college, I was doing a lot of modeling. Mm-hmm. Um, doing a uh, just fashion shows where we wore our own clothes. You know, it was more like a popularity contest show. <laughs> you know. Was no fashion there, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but then through that, I had gotten this uh, this job at a hip hop clothing store called In a Zone that um, a Hampton University grad had opened up, and it was like one of those stores that was like right outside the mall. Mm-hmm. All the stores are outside the mall now, right? Like everything's like outside yeah. when you go to the mall. But uh, it was like kind of like across the street outside the mall, a little spot called In a Zone, and uh, we didn't get a lot of customers, but it was like it was. That that dope hip hop time where it was like Fat Farm and Nietzsche, mm. uh, Triple Five Soul, uh, Triple Five Soul, yeah. Mecca, um, uh, what's some of the other brands? Uh, P and B Nation, you yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. it was just like dope brands in there. But uh, one of the brands was uh, RP Fifty Five, and me being in Virginia, they were actually out of uh, Virginia Beach, and um, I had the guy would come in <laughs> because he was out of Virginia Beach. And that was so close to Hampton, he would bring in uh, the clothes himself. Mm. And I was just sitting in there by myself, you know, looking at uh, Source magazines. And I was like, yo, man, you should put me in your ads, you know? And I'm, I'm like, yo, I'll do all of these fashion shows at Hampton, right? <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, this yeah, dude yeah. named uh, Ralph Reynolds. And then uh, one day, I just so happened to be doing a fashion show for this, like, this group of girls that was starting their own like little modeling agency because mm-hmm. they had all these good looking people on college campus, you know, yeah. they started a modeling agency called Be Urge, right? And um, the the fashion show was for him. Okay. You know, and then, so when I came out, we had done it like an offsite, like it wasn't on campus, it was at like some bar downtown. And uh, when I came out, I got this like crazy crowd response. Mm-hmm. He was like, yo, they love you. And I was like, I told you, this is what I do, man. Right? So he was like, oh, okay. All right. And I had, I happened to have, I didn't have headshots, none of that kind of stuff. No comp card, nothing. And uh, I happened to have a snapshot that this girl gave me. She had taken a picture of me and I had it with me. Uh And I gave him that. I put my number on the back. Hustle. And then, yeah. And then uh, he was like, all right. All right. He's got this big booming voice. I'm going to give you a call. Right? So I'm like, all right, cool. So then, uh, like, two weeks later, I was like, damn, he never called me, man. And he called me. He was like, yo, you ready to shoot this weekend? Right? And I'm like, oh, word? I right. so, so then I immediately hang up the phone and start doing sit-ups because, you know, you just <laughs> automatically feel like you're, like, out of shape. You know what I mean? You're ready. Yeah. And then uh, that weekend, you know, I got $100. I got a, 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 some, some Burger King. Okay, and uh, I was in the Source magazine for a year, <laughs> and then we and then we shot after again. the sit yeah, yeah. right back to Burger yeah, King. Yeah, back to no, like, we ate Burger oh, King. After, okay, gotcha. Um, that was my part of my payment. You know what I mean? We went out to eat. <laughs> we, we went to Burger King. You know, so nice. I, I didn't get paid anything for that. Yeah, but to be in college and be in the Source magazine and the Vibe magazine, like back when Vibe was still like the big format, yeah, or whatever, yeah, yeah. and be in Double XL and all these other hip hop um uh brand with magazines. the ladies, man. Yeah, yeah, it was points with the ladies, um, but it just gave me like a confidence, you know what I mean? That mm-hmm. I that I didn't, I thought I was super confident until, but that was like validation, mm. you know what I'm saying? I was confident going to fashion shows, but then it was just like, yo, I'm so confident that this dude wants to put me in the magazines. Mm. So I carried that with me back to New York when I graduated, yeah. and um, 
but the modeling kind of switched and you know i'm a big dude you know so and i was i'm way bigger now but i was, I was still i thought i was small back then you know i was like 215 mm. and how tall are you man six two six two yeah. you know i'm 265 now you know what i mean yeah, yeah. but i was 215 <laughs> um at that time when i came back and the clothing switched like it wasn't hip-hop mm. wasn't the lead thing anymore yeah. you know like all of those those brands had kind of like went away mm-hmm. and it was becoming like this other like more like couture and like high fashion yeah, yeah and yeah. i couldn't fit none of that shit you know what I mean? So, so they were like, uh, you need to lose like 30 pounds. I was like, yo, I'm only 215 pounds. Yeah, like if I lost 30 pounds, I'd be smaller than I was in high school. So I was just like, I don't know if this, this modeling thing is it. And a friend of mine who's uh, still doing her thing to this day, she's a dancer, choreographer. She's uh, uh, Kendra Reeve is her name. Um, she's now a choreographer for Cardi B. Nice. Um, but at the time she was like dancing for Leah and, mm. you know, and, uh, Puffy and all that. And she had told me, she was like, yo, you should take some acting classes. And I was like, where should I go? And she said, you know, there's a woman, there's a, there's a, uh, a woman named Susan Batson. It's called Black Nexus. And I was like, where's it at? And she was like, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. So I went looking for it. And at the time, yeah. Black Nexus, I think still they don't do, um, now it's Susan Batson studio, but as you know, but they don't, uh, advertise you yeah. know and back then this is before social media was booming mm-hmm. but um somehow i found it took a class and i've been doing it ever since and my mom passed away and when she passed away i really took it seriously mm. and that was kind of like my intro to acting you know started yeah. modeling and yeah. then ended up acting but i gave you guys the, the long form story yeah man yeah. yeah um so you started acting and how long was it before you started booking jobs? Like, how long was it before you, um, you, you, uh, you really started to get consistent work? Um, I think for me, I think it was maybe like six years before I really booked something. Like, before I even I booked something on television. What was that first one that you were like, I made it? Uh, Law and Order. Law and Order. Yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. Um, that was my first like speaking role on television. Yeah. Other than like a commercial, I had done like a commercial before that where I had like, like a little line here. And, um, but this was, my line was no way. (laughs) Right. And, uh, what was the story that like, what was the line? It was supposed to be, uh, yes, no, it was yes, Mm ma'am to Mariska Hargitay. Oh, yeah. um, so she turns to me, she goes, something, da, da, da. do this, do this, do that, and, and close all the doors. Like, she, you know, and I go, yes, ma'am, you know, and that's it. <laughs> and that was my line. But when I was there, I got more lines. Yeah. And uh, I was like, oh, okay. They could just change stuff on the fly like that. Yeah. Like, oh, I didn't know. I thought it was set in stone. And so it ended up be, being like, um, Security Central, close all exits. Like, mm. so I said the yes ma'am to her, and then I turned straight to the camera, and the guy, the director said, like, this is going to be your close-up, right? Yeah. So I'm like, ooh, this is dope, <laughs> you know what I mean? So this, Chris, Chris Maloney was still on the, on the show, and I was running around a hospital with him. I was, like, the security guard, mm-hmm. and they were looking for this perpetrator. The perpetrator was actually, uh, I forget the actor's name, but he played uh, Kevin McAllister's brother in Home Alone, the, the older brother that got mm. on his nerves all the time. Yeah. But this was him as an adult, you yeah, know, and yeah. he was like a rapist, you know, and he was raping, uh, uh, what's the girl from, um, from eight mile. Um, Brittany Murphy or somebody else. Uh, was it Brittany not Murphy? Brittany Murphy. I think she passed away, right? She, she was also an eight mile though. Yeah, the, she was. The white girl um, was like a little bit drugged up. Yeah. Yeah. It was like, not, it was the other one. Right. Okay. I can't remember her name right now, but she gotcha. was, she was in the uh, hospital, and the guy came to the hospital. You know, SBU is crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. She came, he came to the hospital to rape her. You know what I mean? That's crazy. So we were, like, looking for him in the hospital. Wow. So I had to, like, close all the exits so we could court, like, like catch this guy. And uh, that was my, like, first, like, stab at, like, actually getting a line on. That's on amazing. Screen. That's lucky as hell because yeah. a lot of people, if, if they get one line, yeah. sometimes that one line will get cut. Yeah. Or 
it just becomes something else. It just, I know from being on set, it just takes five seconds of somebody talking too much, or just saying the wrong thing. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, you know what? I don't know about this guy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get him the fuck out of here. You know, I think it's just a, a fear, though. Like, you know, from what I gather in film and television, people don't like fear. Mm. You know, they don't want to smell your fear. Mm -hmm. So if you are confident, you know, um, and not necessarily cocky, yeah, they don't like that either. Um, you got to earn the cocky, yeah. you know what I'm saying? But if you are, are confident and you assert yourself in a certain way, um, you know, if it, everything, like, because I've changed my lines in almost everything mm -hmm. with every, like, I mean, big time directors, mm -hmm. you know, like Steve McQueen, people like that. Carrie Fukunaga, I've always had ad libs and everything. So, yeah. Um, but if you confidently do it, and you just gotta be good, just right? don't ask to do it first. Yeah, yeah. You can't. Just if you ask, it. I, yeah. it was once I had to ask Steve McQueen because the line was so crazy. Yeah. But I had done research on it, and mm -hmm. it, and I had worked my way up to asking him that because I'd done some other things that helped him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, he was just like, "Okay, my brother, <laughs> give it a shot." You know what I mean? So yeah, it was cool. So Law and Order. Building up credits, you get uh, Boardwalk Empire, mm -hmm. you get Luke Cage. You, you're you're working with um, with with more actors of more getting more accolades, getting more experience, mm -hmm. uh, doing some theater on the side. What was that journey like from Law and Order to getting those those more recurring roles, to getting you know roles that you're 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 rubbing shoulders, brushing up against people that you look up to, you know? Yeah, yeah. The Jeffrey um, Wrights. Yeah, he yeah. was he was great, man. Um, you know, you just you know you you book one job, and uh, you know I, you have to learn how to enjoy it, enjoy mm. the journey as you go, right? So you book the job, and then people are like, I wonder what the next one is, right? <laughs> but I would I would never allow myself to to go like, what's my next job while yeah. I'm on a job. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Because then you're not like being, you're not being present mm -hmm. to enjoy what you you actually have on your plate. Do you do you have trouble celebrating your small victories? Because like so much of this industry is uncertain. Do you feel do you feel like you celebrate your small victories in a in a way that serves your growth? Um, yeah, I, I mean, I've always the fact that I've done so many um, short films mm -hmm. and indie films. You know, I celebrate that stuff. I, I you know, I feel like what I do on on those programs uh, are just as good as, you know, if not more. Like, you know, I, I get Law & Order SVU and I do one line, right? Yeah. But then I have a short film and I'm the lead of the film. You right. know what I'm saying? So I, 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 it has just as much weight, if not more. Mm -hmm. It's just that the audience isn't as big, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, I just don't control who that audience is, you know, but, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I celebrate those wins. Um, but I got to do the work before I celebrate. Absolutely. You know what I mean? Cause I, I see a lot of people like when I watch, when I look on, like you look on social media, Facebook, Instagram, so on and so forth, people celebrate getting the, the booking a job. Yeah. You know, I don't do that. Mm -hmm. Like if I book a job, I'm not telling Facebook that I booked the job. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, because I've seen I've seen it go the other way. You booked the job and then something happens and they recast or that line that character gets cut. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So I just don't wanna be put myself in a position where I gotta explain to a bunch of people that don't really understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, come off as a phony is like yeah. I don't know if you ever yeah. even booked that yeah, job yeah. in the first you know, place. It, you know, because I had I had uh the Lewis Lewis and Clark, right? Not even Lewis and Clark. I had um before that I booked uh American Gangster. Oh wow. Before it was American Gangster. I think the first um first title of the movie was called True Blue. Yeah. And I went in with Bonnie Timmerman mm -hmm. and she loved my audition. Mm -hmm. And she was just like, Ah, oh, you you know, the guy I auditioned for was uh Tango. Oh and wow. Said, yeah, she said Tango was uh you know you're physically too small for tango right so he said in real life this guy was like seven feet 300 pounds um so she said you weren't big enough so you know but you're so good i'm gonna find something for you in this film mm. so i was just like 
that's all I had to hear. Yeah. And I remember at the time I had this this uh this lady friend of mine, she um you know, she had said to me, she was like, Yeah, uh let's pop uh pop some uh champagne, let's celebrate. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um I was like, All right, cool. And then the film went away. And Denzel got his money. I didn't get my money. <laughs> you know what I mean? I didn't get nothing. Uh, and then it came back, and Bonnie Timmerman was no longer the uh, the casting director. So that opportunity was gone. I didn't even get an audition the second time around. Um, Idris Elba ended up getting that role um, of Tango. Mm. And uh, Russell Crowe got the other job. But it was originally Benicio Del Toro. Yeah. And... Um, and I don't even think it was Denzel. Yeah, it was Denzel. It was mm-hmm. Denzel, Benicio Del Toro, and I think Don Cheadle was in it or something like mm. that. And then it just switched up, and it was Denzel and Russell Crowe. I've known you for years, and I never heard that story. Yeah, yeah. That's fucking crazy, bro. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. And yeah, yeah. there's so many things that happen like that. Like, mm-hmm. what's for me, that's one of the hardest parts about this business, right? Yeah. Like, you have something... And so much for people that don't know out there, like you audition, right? And you could think you did great. Mm-hmm. Like I walk out the room, I killed it. You know, you never hear back and you're like, oh, I guess, I guess I didn't kill it. Yeah. Or two weeks, three weeks, three months pass by and you find out you got the job. Mm-hmm. Like for me, not getting feedback and learning how to, how to improve, that's one of the hardest parts for me in this, in this world, in mm-hmm. this business. What's what's one of the hard, hardest parts for you? Oh yeah, not getting the feedback is tough, and <clears> then <throat> just um, just being able to keep going. You know, um, I tell people all the time. Imagine if you were, uh, you know, you had to go and interview for a job. Yeah, and then you get the job, <laughs> right? But the job is only a week. Yeah, and then you got to interview again. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's my life. Yeah, You know, I have to interview for a new job every time I need a new job. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, I, just, I don't just roll into a new job. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, that, I think, is, is very difficult in the fact that, like, most people don't understand what it is that you do. So they think you're lazy. Yeah. They think you're sitting around not doing anything. Mm-hmm. And they don't realize that, like, you know, getting out of bed is, is an accomplishment after you got beat up from doing 10 auditions that you get nothing from. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. uh yeah, I think that is probably the most difficult. Absolutely. How do you keep your your mind cuz you're such a positive dude? How do you keep um how do you keep your mind healthy? How do you like what are the things that you do? Do you have a morning routine? Like do you meditate? What do you do to just stay inspired and stay humble? I wouldn't say I have any routine. I actually could benefit probably from having a little bit more routine. Yeah. Um, but um, a long time ago, there was a book that I read called two books, uh, the Celestine Prophecy, Great book. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's another one called the Master Key System mm. by uh, Charles F. Hanel. Mm. And um, Celestine Prophecy uh, b- basically teaches you to 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 look out for markers. Gotcha. Along the road, mm-hmm. like to let you know you're going in the right direction. I believe that's by John Redfield. Or yeah, something. yeah, yeah. And then uh, the the Master Key System is a book about manifestation, mm. right? And so, um, I found that like manifestation took away; it gave me so much power mm-hmm. because it didn't allow me to make anything an excuse, mm. right? So it says that, like, yo, whatever's happening in your life is is a result of what you manifested. Yeah. So it was like, oh, so if I didn't book that, it was because I didn't, I manifested not booking it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As opposed to uh, looking at it in a way where, you know, I'm being pushed around in the world. Mm-hmm. It's more so it helped me to look at the world as 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 it's like play doh, and I can play with what materials I get in the world. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I create my own materials. Yeah. So um that's one of the things that kept me going. And it's hard to stay in that mindset. Yeah. That's the challenge. Every day is different. Um yeah, yeah. Cause you know, sometimes you just get a gut punch that just hurts. 
so much that you 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 buckle and you fall over a mm-hmm. little bit. But you know, you just got to get up, just keep fighting. Yeah, I want to if we if you don't mind going into the Lewis and Clark story. Oh yeah, yeah. Because this was at a time. This was um right after Christmas Wedding Baby, which mm-hmm. was like. I didn't even, I was just doing a film that I just wanted to grow as an actor mm-hmm. that I had found out was like a student film that became something so much more. Yeah, We we sat in a room like maybe three feet away from Denzel Washington mm-hmm. and got to spend the day watching this man talk like yeah. off of a student film yeah. that got picked up by Netflix, that got picked up by BET, that, yeah. you know, all for the love. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like... Mm-hmm. I want that to was talk that day about I almost met Denzel. <laughs> right? He was just a friend of mine, Benny, um, Benny Ashburn. She's out in LA now too. It's, but she knows Denzel. And she was like, okay, I'm gonna introduce you. And it was like he was at the end of his rope for the day. Yeah. He was like on the way out, and he was just like, like, no more, no more. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I was like, damn, I just miss meeting Denzel. You gotta know manifest I mean? that, man. But it's cool. It's cool. I meet them. You know, I actually, I'm like, I don't know about meeting people anymore. Because you meet people and they're like not who you think they are. And you're like, oh, man, that was terrible. I was, I was <laughs> looking up to that dude. But, um, but yeah, Lewis and Clark, uh, I, um, you know, I booked this, this gig. I was uh, fourth in that call sheet. I played the only uh, black person in that story. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we shot in Canada, in Calgary, and uh, it was like three months of shooting, and then the project um, abruptly came to a halt. And it was after I came to uh, see Christmas Wedding Baby mm-hmm. in um, Philly at Black Star Film Festival, right. right? Right, and I couldn't wait to get out of um, out of Canada because you know it's. It's a bit of a mind fuck when you're playing uh, an enslaved man from yeah. from that time, mm-hmm. right? But then you're also yourself as a black man mm-hmm. in modern day times. And that, like, right when we were shooting that, this was roughly four years ago, um, there was a lot of stuff in the media about black men getting shot by cops and you know, so mm-hmm. it was like I was reading that every day, and then I was on this set playing a slave, mm-hmm. right? And you know, there were no other black men other than my stand-in anywhere to be found on that set. There was hundreds of people, and I was just us. You know, when so, when you're in a place where there's no other black people, sometimes it just helps to see a black person. You had something that I think you were talking about called the nod. Yeah, the nod. The nod, <laughs> man, feeds your soul. You know what I'm saying? On them days. When you like, yo, it's just a nod of solidarity too. It's like, what's up, bro? I know what you're going through. All right, cool. Yeah, you good? All right, I'm good. You know, <laughs> you no keep word. moving. Just you know? acknowledgement. Yeah, just a little acknowledgement amongst ourselves. Um, and it's a black man thing, it's, especially in, in New York City, because the sisters won't give you the nod because they get harassed so much here. Yeah. But you get the nod everywhere else, though, from mm-hmm. anybody black. It could be a sister, it could be a dude, but it's 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 particularly more powerful when a brother when y'all are like, all right, bro, I see Absolutely. I see Me and Rob Morgan used to do that a long time ago. Shouts out Rob Morgan. Yeah, man. yeah. When I when I used to work at um at Xerox and he worked for Bear Stearns across the street. Oh shit. And uh we were both like, you know, I was just taking classes. I, I believe Rob was kind of taking classes then too. Mm-hmm. Um and we used to just we didn't know each other. Yeah. And from across the street, we would throw up a power fist. Like, what up, bro? I see you over there, yeah, black man. Yeah. He was like, I see you too. You know what I mean? Yeah. And still to this day, when I see Rob, he goes, black man. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man, uh, that um, not having that was tough. And then so I came to Philly. I, I had begged him. I was like, yo, I, I got... I got three days off. Mm. Let me please. Let me go to Philly. <laughs> please, please, please. You know, yeah. I, I could really use this opportunity just to like feed my soul just for a minute. Mm-hmm. And they were like, okay. So I got there and that was the year they started calling me Mr. Black Star because I had uh Christmas Wedding Baby and there were two other films. It was mm. like uh Christmas Wedding Baby and maybe like two shorts I was in or something. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. And they were like, oh, you're in all the films, Mr. Blackstar. Mm. You know, and they, they, they called me that jokingly. Um, but uh, right before I left to get on the plane, I was literally boarding the plane. 
and I get this text that's saying they shut down production. And I was like, what? And this was before I had like, you know, I didn't know about getting um service on the uh on the actual plane. So I had to just fly back to Canada. It was like a four hour flight. And the whole time I'm like, what? What did what did somebody get hurt? Like, I don't understand why production got shut down. And I get get there and they're like, Oh yeah, we got a meeting with the director tonight and we got a meeting with the DP tomorrow. I'm this, like, why not is- together? Like, why are they not together? So it was like a scapegoat kind of thing. Like the director was blaming the DP. DP was blaming the director. Yeah. And, you know, it was the same DP that that same year he won an Oscar for Ex Machina. But that was a great film. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a great film. And also, I don't know if you want to mention who was executive producer on this project. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, Brad Pitt, Tom Hanks, Ed Norton, you know. Um, So for you, this was like, I'm set. Yeah. This is my future after struggling for like 10, 20 20, I don't know how many years, but like mm-hmm. all the no's, all everything, I finally kind of made it. Yeah. And now is the time to start thinking about a future. And now yes, you indeed. get this text saying, sorry. Project shut down. Yeah. So then they were saying, oh, we're just getting a new, we're going to get a new director. Hmm. We'll be, be, we'll be back in by the end of the month. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I called their bluff. I was like, well, I'm so immersed in this character that I don't want to leave. Everybody was like packing up this stuff and getting the hell out of there, getting the hell out of Dodge, right? Mm-hmm. But I was just like, you know, I don't, even though I'm alone up here, yeah. you know, um, I met some cool folk that I, I you know, people that I was just hanging out with and, you know, I had my own place for the first time in a long time, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it was, I had my own place and my job paid for it. Mm. So I felt really fulfilled in that way. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to give that up, you know? So I said, look, I'll, I'll stay. I don't want, you know, can I stay? Can I stay? And they didn't answer. They, they didn't answer again, didn't answer again. And then finally, uh, one of the producers um, that I didn't mention was a guy named Ezra Swerdlow, who recently passed away. Uh, and they just like a few months ago, actually sold all of, you know, to other productions. They mm-hmm. sold the, you know, the stockpile of like costumes and and uh, props and stuff that we had for the project. Cause they shoot a lot of like period stuff in, in, uh, in that area of Canada. Yeah. You know, we actually shooting in the same locations as that Leonardo DiCaprio film. Um, mm-hmm. uh, what was the Revenant? Name? Yeah, the Revenant, mm-hmm. you know, so a lot of the same actors. Uh, were there and so um yeah man that was a that was a tough one bro that was oof oh man it still hurts the i had stopped thinking about it yeah yeah, but it 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 was it felt like an important piece of art you know that i was making but um you know to have that like that like awesome opportunity and then I call it like Stevie Wonder's Rocket Love. Mm. You know, like it said, me riding on a rocket and gave me a star. <laughs> Within a half a mile from heaven, you dropped me back down to this cold, cold world. You know, so like that's what it felt like. It was like I was right there about the, mm. I was a half a mile from heaven. Yeah. And then I got dropped back down to the cold world. You know, so, um, but it was a lesson that I learned before. Before that, um, on not getting the audition for Jackie Robinson in 42. Mm. You know, because yeah, you worked on that at Nexus for, for years. Yeah, I worked on playing Jackie Robinson and I did I did, did a, a documentary. Film? Yeah. Um, I did a one man show, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh so I felt like that was all just preparing me for this this opportunity to play Jackie Robinson. Yeah. You know. And then when I didn't even get the audition, you know, it seemed like everything was good. DeWanda Wise sent me the script yeah. because her husband, um, Alano Miller, mm-hmm. um, he got the script sent to him yeah. to play Jackie. Mm. If you know Alano Miller, you Let's favor go. him way more than I do, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, and you neither one of y'all look like Jackie Robinson. <laughs> Not at all. You know Not what I mean? So I'm like, yo, if he's getting the script, I'm definitely getting an audition. You know yeah. what I mean? And I never got the audition and that crushed me. But then... 
I you know something? I yeah. got. The, it's so funny that you say that. I remember sending an audition in for that. Yeah. And I don't look like him and I don't sound like yeah, him. Yeah, see? You I got remember. An audition. I got an audition for yeah, that. Yeah, I did not. I put together, <laughs> I had a 15 page press kit that I did on my own. Wow. And this is just me on my own. I didn't have, uh, maybe that was how the, it should have been done. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I took that joint to, to his wife. Mm-hmm. I went, you know, she has an office right above that uh, Jackie Robinson Museum that mm-hmm. has not been open in 10 years, but they're saying it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Right on, uh, Downtown. Varick in yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. in um, in Canal Street. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I took it to her office. I sent it to the producers. Mm. I did everything that I could, you know. Yeah. Um, and I ne- I didn't even get an audition, and that crushed me, dude. Yeah. But then I realized. I said, Wait a minute. Jackie Robinson had to endure all that he did. He was a real life superhero, mm-hmm. and I'm mad. I'm ready to quit because I don't get to portray him. Mm. I said, yo, what's my life worth? What kind of superhero am I? Yeah. You know? So I said, the least I could do is just keep going forward. Mm-hmm. So I learned, I had learned that lesson, and Lewis and Clark was the only other time where I was ready to call it quits. How, you know? how long, how long between, what was the time span between Lewis and Clark and Magnum P.I.? Ooh, um, almost three years. Three years. Yeah, yeah. That was, talk to me about, like, what were those three years like for you between, Lewis and Clark and Magnum P.I. I did uh, my big gigs in between there was Bulwark Empire. Mm-hmm. And um, for me, uh, Luke Cage. Yeah. And they weren't they weren't big roles, you know, but for me, they were big. Yeah. You know, Bulwark Empire was one of my favorite shows. Yeah. And then Jeffrey Wright is hands down one of my top three actors. Absolutely. You know what I mean? So Same. Um, to work with him... And then to work with him for two weeks as as opposed to working with him for a day yeah. or two mm-hmm. was great because he actually made it so that I would end up working a little longer. Mm. I don't even know if he realized it, but like it was like toward the end of the day we were shooting the scene and the DP, you know, that show is very dark, mm-hmm. right? So and me being dark skinned, the DP didn't feel like lighting me. So mm. uh, there's a scene where I'm knocking on the door and... Uh, I wanna, I wanna come into the door, and the DP was like, "No, you just wait outside, right?" And Chalky's in there talking to, uh, to daughter, and um, so I want to go in, and uh, Jeffrey goes, "Yo, why is he not coming in here?" Mm-hmm. Right, and uh, he goes, "Ah, oh, yeah, you know, um." Yeah, we're just going to leave him outside. He he didn't have a real reason, but I knew it was, you probably just didn't feel like lighting me. Yeah. And Jeffrey was like, no, he's my he's my bodyguard. Why wouldn't I bring him in there? It makes no sense. Yeah. That's stupid. Yeah. Right? So they, they stopped everything, and all of a sudden, lights start flying in yeah. to light me. Mm-hmm. And so that actually kept me in the scene longer, mm-hmm. which was like three, four more days on shooting. Yeah. And then they brought me in for another episode, you know? So- uh, that was all Jeffrey Wright looking out. So that was a big moment for me. Um, and then Luke Cage, I think, might have been the first thing I booked. I can't remember if it was the first or the second thing I booked. But then uh, another one of my favorite actors and somewhat of a mentor of mine, Ron C. Jones, mm-hmm. was in that scene. And I have to give a monologue, come down off of the stage. Because he, he just passed away. Yeah. And then give a hug to Ron C. Jones. Yeah. You know, so um, it was like, wow, I'm doing this monologue. And then I got to come give a hug to one of my mentors and mm. the dude that I look up to. Yeah. So I was re- that kind of like brought me out of the trenches of not going forward with Lewis and Clark because mm-hmm. I kind of didn't even want to be there. But yeah, this was this was Marvel. And I had these like grandiose ideas like, yo, what if I become kind of what if I get some powers or something? You know what I mean? Like, I was like, somehow, like, you know, they gave me a first and last name. Maybe they're yeah. going to bring me back. But then they didn't bring me back. So, you know, so. Uh, that happens, man. Yeah, but it's cool. But Cheo, the um, the uh, showrunner of, the, of, of Luke Cage, loves Magnum. Yeah. He hits me up. And he's just like, yo, this joint is really good. That's huge. Yeah, yeah. So that's huge. That's he was dope. also at the um at the Pan African Film Festival that year. I remember. Uh, Cheo nice. Hodari Coker, is that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know he was there. 
Yeah, man. It, it was a few of them. It was uh, Ernest Dickinson, yeah. Che Hodari Coker, and um, I don't know if I'm getting the last name right. I hope I'm not fucking that up, but it was just titans in filmmaking that year. Yeah, and that, yeah. that year, just before that, was mm-hmm. so, it was difficult for me because nothing was happening aside from Christmas Wedding Day. Yeah. And I go there, and for me, it just takes a little bit of inspiration just to get me to push through, man. And it's mm-hmm. like, um, yeah, but you were saying, you were saying, um, that the three years, the, so we, we just talked about Boardwalk Empire going mm-hmm. into Luke Cage. And then how long after Luke Cage did you get Magnum? Um, honestly, I'm not sure. Oh, uh, in between the Luke Cage and Magnum, it was, it was, there was some dry spells there, yeah. you know, but for me. Dry spells never feel like dry spells because I always do short films. Right. I always do a short. I always do some sort of indie feature. Mm-hmm. I always do a web series. Um, so that kind of stuff always keeps me busy so I feel like I'm working. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just recently ran into um, uh, Eric Myers mm-hmm. and um, a friend of mine that we did a uh, web series uh, called uh, 12 Steps to Recovery together. Yeah. Shouts um, out by, to Tony Clomax. Yeah, Tony Clomax joined. Yeah. Um, so I ran into her and she was just like, Oh, I haven't worked in like two years. And she was like, Ever since I joined SAG. And I was like, Uh oh, wait yeah. a minute. Are you one of those that's afraid to do a short because it's non SAG? Yeah. And she was like, Yeah, you can't do it anymore. And I was like, ah. I wish SAG would just change that rule mm-hmm. because so many actors get caught up behind that and then they don't do anything because then then they don't do the uh the non-sag indie those you know? award-winning yeah. non-sag giving you the lead role giving you an opportunity giving you really an opportunity, flex your muscles a little let bit you feel like you know you deserve to be here mm-hmm. you know um but for me i uh i never shied away from doing those because i'm like sag ain't coming looking for me you yeah. know, and now I know it's true. SAG is coming to look for me now. And <laughs> now they are. SAG wants the money that I make now. Now that they know? just heard you say that, you better yeah. watch out, man. Yeah, whatever. They're good. <laughs> they would rather have the money than penalize me for doing an indie yeah. short film that yeah. nobody's ever gonna make money on, you know? Um, so I I told her to get get her ass back out there and start doing the shorts. Yeah. You know, but yeah. that's what kept me afloat. But there were some times, man, because I was working at um I was working at Carmine's mm-hmm. and uh, I had a, I had an, you know, I won't say names, but I had an agent that, you know, she just, she tried, she couldn't get me indoors, mm-hmm. you know, she couldn't get me in. I know she was trying and I was extremely loyal. I was like, on, some, I, you know, I had this idea that I was going to create this black woman dream team mm-hmm. that was going to look out for me. Mm-hmm. And, um, she was a black agent, a black woman, yeah. uh, a, uh, a talent agent. And so, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to just keep rocking with her. And I gave her like seven years of my career. Mm. And then I was just like, yo, I'm tired of this one line here, one line there. Mm. I got to move differently if I'm going to do this. And I, I saw my, I was at Carmine's, which was, one of my favorite restaurants until I had to work there because yeah, it yeah. just ruins it for you because it's like, oh, I'm not eating the chicken parmesan. I'm de- delivering the chicken parmesan yeah. to a table and actually cutting it up and serving it to the other people and mm-hmm. then walking away, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was just like, damn, this ain't it. I got to try something else. Mm-hmm. So I reached out to her and told her like, yo, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to quit. So because of me wanting to quit i'm gonna at least try something different and to take it back to lewis and clark one she got pissed and said uh best of luck that was it that was the last wow. last thing i heard from her after wow. seven years you know so i was like loyal for seven years mm-hmm. and i didn't even it wasn't even like a, a proper send-off or yeah. like a thank you for the seven Might years well or Fuck you. Yeah, yeah, basically that's pretty, <laughs> basically the tone it was written in, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh so you know, me having that old Xerox mind and still doing things in a corporate manner, mm-hmm. I um I contacted Playtone, which mm. is uh 
that's um, Tom Hanks' production company, mm-hmm. right? That he has along with this other uh, producing partner. And I reached out to them for a letter of recommendation, right? Because I'm mm-hmm. like, y'all put in all this good work yeah. on Lewis and Clark. And uh, I got this letter of recommendation that kind of reads like a, a love letter mm-hmm. of what I did at for Lewis and Clark. And that got me my manager, mm-hmm. that letter, because I get, gave this terrible audition yeah. for her at at uh, Susan Batson's studio. <laughs> and uh, my manager got me my, my current agent. Mm-hmm. And I've been right away. I was I was getting auditions for, you know, one of the first auditions I went in for was for Black Lightning, mm. and I was like, "Yo, wait a minute!" I was going in for guy number twenty five, yeah. And then I switched my agent, and I'm going in to play superhero, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was it happened so fast. I didn't even believe yet. Like mm-hmm. it was just like, "Whoa, something's wrong." They made a mistake. They're bringing me in for Black <laughs> Lightning. Like yeah. that doesn't make sense. Like, yeah, you know, yeah. but I'll go in, you know, meet a new agent, you mm-hmm. know? And uh, so things started to move. I'm still working at Xerox. I mean, not at Xerox, at, uh, at Carmine's, but I had told myself I was only going to work there for the holiday season. Mm-hmm. And as soon as I left, I rolled right into a play at the National Black Theater. Nice. At, um, I did a whole lot of work for, for three, three weeks of work to make about a thousand dollars. And uh, I was the lead of this play. And then after that, I just started booking, booking stuff. Yeah. And then little stuff here, little stuff there. And ramped me up into, um, I had uh, I booked a pilot called uh, Manifest. Mm-hmm. And um, I- Ironic, man. Yeah. Oh, you got that? Uh, no, know, no, I, I didn't get that too. But I'm saying we're talking yeah. about manifestation. I didn't get yeah, that. Yeah, no, I know, no. I know. But yeah, 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 that is crazy. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, it was booking a pilot. Yep. During pilot season, mm-hmm. and the name of the show is called Manifest, mm. right? And so, um, I, I booked that, and I was extremely happy. Like, yo, this is the best pilot season ever. Yeah, you know, I got a possible recurring, mm-hmm. right? So, I, uh, I got this audition at on a Thursday. Yeah, right. I remember being on a Thursday morning. I got a call. And they're like, oh, we got an audition for your CBS. Um, and I was like, okay. And they sent me the sides. And I was like, all right, let me just go over these sides. And because the audition was at five o'clock or four thirty or something like that. And I got there to the audition. I didn't have a printer to print out the sides. So I figured I'd get there a little early and I'll just get the sides there, right? Mm-hmm. But the sides weren't there. They weren't outside the room. So I was like, Oh man, I'm about to look so unprofessional. Yeah. Looking for these sides and asking them to print them out, right? But then Don Gilroy, another uh uh actor that I kept seeing at all these auditions, mm-hmm. he was like, Oh, you don't have the sides? And I was like, nah. He was like, I got the sides. What what scenes are you doing? Mm-hmm. And it was like three scenes, and I was like, yo, I'm doing one and three. He was like, I'm doing one and two. Here's three. Right? So I start working on three. I make my sides look like it looks like a, a treasure chest map, you know what I mean? <laughs> so I have all different colors of of, uh, of highlighters and pen and pencil sometimes, you know yeah. what I mean? So I'm like all over my sides, right? And then he comes out and he gives me the other one. And he was a guy that his sides are blank. He only highlights the actual character. Mm. You know, different actors work differently, right? Yeah. He highlights the character's name and mm-hmm. that's it, right? So I'm like, yo... So I get these clean sides. I go in and I, you know, the uh, the Magnum PI box set just came out and my audition's on there. And it was not a good audition. Mm-hmm. It was not. <laughs> and by my standards, it was a terrible audition. You yeah. know what I mean? But they saw, they had, you know, they had saw 100 people before me. Mm. And um, so anyway, later on that day, I went to the gym. I was on the treadmill and I was thinking about that audition. Mm-hmm. And I said to myself, why didn't he bring me in for that? Yeah. You know? And then I caught myself and I said, whoa, wait a minute. Why not me? And 30 minutes later, I got the call saying, pack your bags. You're going to Hawaii. Wow. Yeah. So all in the same day, I didn't, I didn't have two auditions. I didn't have a test. Yeah. I didn't have, you know, any of that. I just, you know, they wanted to get me there for the reading in Hawaii, uh, the table read, and they couldn't book a flight that fast. So I got there for the cast dinner on Saturday night. 
Mm-hmm. I went to the cast dinner, had Sunday to myself to look at the script and stuff. <laughs> and then on Monday, we were shooting. Wow. Yeah. Monday, we were shooting. And I remember being so nervous and having uh, what they call imposter syndrome. Yeah. You know, I mm-hmm. felt like, yo. Uh, what the fuck am I doing? They're here? gonna find out I don't belong here. <laughs> they're gonna find out I'm the guy that's only supposed to have two lines. Always like, happens when you get on? that job that you really want. Yeah, I'm like, whoa, I don't know. I, you know what I mean? I was so scared. We were shooting this one, you know, Justin Lin, um, that does that's done a bunch of the Fast and Furious. We were shooting a scene, and I remember Peter Lenkov, our um, showrunner. Yeah, he kept saying he was like, "This is the scene." This is the scene. This is the most important scene no of the whole thing. Yeah. He said, because the people at home, guys at home, God don't want to be able to sit down and have a beer with you guys. You gotta, you, they want to be able to sit in a room mm. and cool out with you guys. Yeah. This is the scene. This is the camaraderie. So it's me, uh, uh, Magnum, Rick, and Nuzo, mm-hmm. right? Which is Dominic Lavandozzi, Jay Hernandez, mm. and uh, Zach Knighton. We're all in this scene. And then also uh, Perdita Weeks, who plays uh, Higgins, mm-hmm. she's there. And the dogs are there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's all of the, the magnum. Everything is there except for the Ferrari and the helicopter. You know what I mean? <laughs> so we're sitting there in the Robin's Nest, mm-hmm. and we're having this conversation with Magnum about uh, him in this book, Rob, Robin Master's book, yeah. and how he's exaggerated in this book. And, man, I was like... They would call cut, and I kept getting the the adjustment, oh, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay. And I'm, you know how when you get an adjustment, and you think you you Killing adjust it. it, yeah. And then you get it in again. And Justin Lin came and had the little conversation with me on the side four or five times. Damn. And I was like, yo, I'm not giving this man what he wants. Oh my yeah. god, they got, they found out <laughs> I don't belong. You know what I mean? And then, um, what did I say? One of the lines, I just belted it out, like, because he was just like, no, it needs to be more jovial and more this. Yeah. And I was just like, what did I say? I said, but there were no planets involved. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. I just couldn't. It was, it's in the, the, the trailer. Yeah. And I said it in such a way, and they were like, that's it. <laughs> and, I, and I had said that a hundred other ways, oh, you God. know. And then, uh, you know, um, the next day, some of my lines got cut. Mm. And I was like, yo, yeah. They didn't like what Bec- I did yesterday. Yeah. When you're on set, you're doing it like that, all they tell you is great job. Great yeah, job. Yeah, great yeah, job. yeah. And it's like 70 different types of great job. Yeah. There's the one where it's the genuine, hey, you fucking killed it. Great yeah, job. Yeah, then there's yeah. the one where it's like, yeah. Great job. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and you know, and you don't know sometimes, you know, Justin Lin yeah. might have wanted a homie of his in there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I know there was some talk that maybe, you know, they wanted Exhibit to yeah. play the role, you know, all kinds of stuff. So they had saw 100 people before me. Shit. So he might have been like, mm, this is the guy you guys went and got. You know what I mean? So I don't know. Or he might have just been fine with what I was giving him. But I know the next day when I saw that those lines were cut, I was like, yo. Mm. But then I realized after I came down off of my own fear, yeah, you know, I realized, oh, the other characters' lines got cut, and they had no lines. Mm. So they had to give them each one of my lines. So yeah, we all had something yeah. to say. Gotcha. You know what I'm saying? It's not about you. It had nothing to do with my mm-hmm. performance the night before, you know? Yeah. But I was sweating bullets. Literally, Jeez, sweating bullets. They Like, in between takes, they were, like, fanning me. Because I was so under. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I was like, yo. Damn, man. Yeah. I, I want to I wanna really congratulate you, because even then, that's not the last step. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got CBS up front. Then you got to find out if it gets picked up. Yeah. And then even still, your role could get recast. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like, eh, everybody's great. But Stephen Hill's a piece of shit. <laughs> Let's <laughs> yeah. get him out of there. <laughs> you can. You can. That does happen. People get recast after the uh, pilot. Yeah. Um. So, you know. And sometimes other actors would say that shit to you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And just fuck with you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And you'd be like, because I didn't know. Yeah. I didn't even know that was possible. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then somebody is lightly whispers that to you. Like, what? What do you All mean? All you think about. I thought I was good. Yeah. Oh, shit. 
Mm-hmm. And now, now you like your whole summer's ruined because you're like waiting <laughs> to see if you got you were the guy to get recast. You and know what, what I mean? happens the more you try not to think about something, that's all you think yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then you you get picked up, and then you're out there, and it's like uh, you don't know if we're gonna get a full season. Yeah, you know, you get 13 episodes. Better problems though. Yeah, better. And problems. then okay, cool. Then you get the full season. Then you're waiting to hear if you get the second season. And you did. But we got that that. Uh, that knowledge very early mm-hmm. while we were still filming the first season. That's not typically what happens. You know, it's you great to, feedback to get. Yeah, man. yeah. So we're good, and we're going. We're going into a new time slot. That that's uh, probably times? gonna be better for us on yeah. Fridays instead of Mondays. Yeah. Um, uh, Hawaii Five O is our lead in, mm-hmm. right? So they moved them from nine o'clock to eight o'clock. We're at nine, and then ironically, we're now leading in mm. uh, Blue Bloods. Great. At ten, That's so great. the the new Magnum is leading in the old Magnum. Yes, yes, yes. yes. Well, I want to congratulate you because I've I've been honored to be part of your journey, man. And it if it could give me that little bit of inspiration on my difficult days mm-hmm. to not give up. I know that stories like these can inspire young creatives and and people that maybe not they're not even doing creative things or, or they're not in the artist world of being an actor or anything. Maybe you're a young entrepreneur, but stories like these, this is the epitome of why I started the alchemy podcast, because mm-hmm. you took your circumstance and you stuck with it, man. And and it's, it's, and you made it something even more than gold. And I just know that on your road, this is just the beginning. This is the mm-hmm. beginning of something really great. So I want to congratulate you, and I want to thank you so much for coming and making it out because it means a lot, man. Thank you, my brother. So, how can we keep up with you? Uh, Stephen Hill, actor at Gmail. I could use the followers. Yeah. Um, it, Follow I mean, this man. It's, Follow it's, this man on Instagram. Like his Facebook. You got a yeah. Facebook fan page? Maybe everybody's looking for me with Stephen with a V. It's Stephen with a P-H, S-T-E-P-H-E-N. There's a few different Stephen Hills out there. A-C-T-S. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a shame, man. You know, you know, I look and you see uh, a scantily clad woman, and she has a million <laughs> followers. You know, and then like I literally make a television show once a week. You know, mm-hmm. an episode of art once a week, and I have less than ten thousand. Right. You know, it's a damn shame. People are after yeah. people are after what they're after. The thirst yeah. traps are, are quite popular. On they Instagram, are, man. they are. So it's, it's a lot popular. of thirsty people out there. That's right. They need to drink more water. (laughs) (laughs) Stephen Hill, Axe, Instagram, Facebook, everything, man. Thank you for coming out, brother. Thank you, bro. Yes. All right. That's it.